Welcome to Raising Up Cops, a podcast about raising Coptic kids in Western culture, hosted by Madonna Windy and me, Laura Michael. Thank you so much to our listeners for joining us again today. So one of the biggest staples that we grew up with in the church, of course, has always been Sunday school and always looked and it felt a certain way. And there's always been this dynamic between the kids and the church as the Coptic church started growing in America and flourishing. And then there was this interesting intersection between our Coptic faith and our Western culture. So as a result, look, we've seen some kids that stay strong in the faith their whole life. And then sadly, those that have left and just don't identify with our Orthodox faith anymore. Right. We all have friends like that. Friends that have stayed and have become amazing servants and friends that just have drifted away. And so as parents, that becomes, you know, a huge focus of concern for us. So we have brought on today our friend Shireen Marcus, who has dedicated a good portion of her life to researching, discovering, and writing about the question, how can we encourage our kids to stay in the faith through adulthood? She completed a master's degree in Orthodox theology. She's designed a curriculum for teens called Bridges to Orthodoxy, which we, full disclosure, both Madonna and I have worked on. And so we wanted to bring Shireen on today as the foremost expert in the subject, to share with you her incredible results from years of research. Shireen, welcome to our podcast, and we are so excited to hear from you. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, Shireen, look, we've got so many questions for you because through our conversations that we've had, you and I, and with Laura the past few years, I've learned that you have a lot of wisdom in this area, and it needs to be shared. So Shireen, first, can you just tell us a little bit about what exactly your research has been focused on? Yeah, you know, so uh, I kind of shifted my focus on specifically the youth ministry efforts in Coptic churches in North America, uh, because what I've noticed is our focus in youth ministry was laser focused on Sunday school. And through my Orthodox theology studies in the Antiochian program that I did, youth ministry was so much more than Sunday school. Uh, And what I realized is by focusing solely on Sunday school, we were really missing out on so many other prongs and this, you know, well-rounded view. And really the overarching theme of how we're going to keep kids in the church is we really, really need to partner better with parents, the church and the parents. Uh, When I was looking into various curriculum, um, one thing that I'll share a lot with people is uh, there was this one curriculum that I loved their idea which is that, you know, you take the nourishment and the love, the red from the home, the parents that they provide, and then you combine that with the truth and the light that the church provides, the yellow. And when you combine the red and the yellow, you get what? Orange. So the orange effect is what they would call it. And that orange effect, that partnership between the church and the parents is really that winning combination of what you want and how you're going to keep kids in the faith and really make sure that they have a personal relationship with Christ, which carries them through into adulthood. So Madonna, Shireen was telling me that she has this five prong method to kind of like five different ways that we want to approach, you know, engaging kids in the faith. And the first was building a relationship with God. So tell us a little bit about that, Shireen. Like, what do you mean by that? So when at a very early age, 
all of us parents were reading kids books. We're reading Cat in the Hat, Curious George and all that. And we're reading them the Bible. When you're the very first prong that parents have to focus on in um, engaging them with their relationship with Christ is making sure that they understand that God is different than the Cat in the Hat, than Curious George. He's not a character in a book. He's not fictional. He's real. And you can have a relationship with this living God. You can talk to him. He can be your friend. He can be your father. He's just like someone you can talk to. You can have a relationship. So that's really the first prong. And that comes um, primarily from the parents, but then that gets supported with the church. So that's the first prong. And then you move on to the second prong. And this first prong doesn't go away. This continues throughout their adolescence into adulthood. Um, And these kind of Um, build on each other. The second one is what I call the sense of awe. And you really get that with liturgical engagement. And I hear a lot that people say, well, the liturgy is not kid friendly. We have to own that. It's true. The liturgy is not kid friendly, but any exposure to the liturgy as kids is great. Because the one thing that I love about the Orthodox Church is when you walk into the liturgy, it really engages all of your senses, right? You can smell the incense, you see the icons, you hear the singing of the hymns, all of your senses light up when you go in there. So that's so meaningful to a child. So even if they're in there for 10 minutes and then you have to take them out and then you go back in for another 10 minutes, they remember that, that stays with them. It's so impactful. Uh, So I tell parents all the time, I know it's hard, but take them, the exposure really means a lot. They actually get that sense of fear. uh, And I don't mean fear, but you know what I mean? The awe of uh, that presence of God um, just by having that exposure. So they build that relationship with God and they build that sense of awe, that relationship, that liturgical exposure. And that really builds into that third prong, which is the spiritual education, that Sunday school piece. But the Sunday school piece by itself doesn't mean anything if it's not building with these other pieces, if it's not supported with those first two. So Madonna, can you, that age group, that younger age is sort of your specialty on this podcast. So tell us a little bit about how to clarify to kids the difference between fiction and nonfiction and the reality of God and making God real to them in their lives uh, when they're in the younger ages. So we kind of talked about this before, Laura, because we we talked about this on our Christmas episodes when it came to like Santa Claus and whether or not we were going to do that with our kids. And I was really adamant about making my kids understand that, you know, Santa is not a real person that comes. He is a great character. He's fun to think about. And the reason is because I wanted to hyper-focus on the fact that when I talk to them about God and Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit, this is very real. And that actually does enter our home, unlike everything else that we hear about. And I think one of the things that I wanted to mention when Shireen was talking about the relationship with God, I feel like I didn't really understand that portion growing up in the church until much later, probably Uh, probably after grad school, if I'm being totally honest, I saw my relationship with God as very transactional. It was very much like I go to church, I take communion, I fast the fast, I pray the prayers. And then that was kind of the end of that. Understanding that God comes home with me was something that developed and matured much later in me. And I'm hoping very much to not wait that long for my kids to understand that. I always say that there is kind of a mind mind wipe that happens in puberty. So even if they have a really good understanding uh, when they're in elementary school or if you catch them early, you, you're going to have to redo that whole conversation once the hormones hit. <laughs> right. 
Oh, I was just going to say, I was getting goosebumps while you were talking, Madonna. Like it's, it's just true that like, if you don't instill those things at an early age, then you kind of miss your window and it just takes a lot longer to play catch up with your kids. It's just these small little things that we do have this opportunity to partner with our, our, um, with our church. Um, but I was going to say that kind of was leading me towards the, the fourth prong that I was going to say, which the fourth prong is they get a little older. I called it the body of Christ which is we have this idea that church is for adults only, and we need to get rid of that. Church is supposed to be for everyone, right? And that includes children too. Some churches, you know, you, and I remember growing up and even when I had my, my kids were a little bit younger and they were babies, any little noise, you get the looks and then you'd feel guilty and you'd have to rush the kids out. We need to move past this. And this is where we really need the partnership with the whole congregation, that the sounds of the kids is part of the church experience, that they belong in the liturgy, they belong in the church, that they're a meaningful part of the body of Christ. Those little sounds, that's the sound of our future. That means that our church is not dying. Our church is going to exist for generations. We should be happy that those sounds are in the church. Um, that they are going to stay in the church. They're not going to wait until after grad school to understand Mm -hmm. (laughs) all of those things that you said, Madonna. And also that we should be giving them as they grow older, especially in their teen years, opportunities to discover how God uniquely knit them together and opportunities for them to serve and use those talents for the glory of God. I see it so many times, especially with middle school and teens, Uh, This person's so great with like the AV technology stuff, give them an opportunity to, you know, set up stuff for church. This person's really good with preschoolers. Okay, let them serve in the preschool room. You know, just giving kids a chance to serve in church makes them feel so much more connected to their body of Christ that this is their church too. It's not just a place they have to tag along with their parents every Sunday. Uh, So that's what I was thinking about as you were talking, Madonna. I actually love that so much. I, we started this, I don't know. I think I'm crazy. I decided that for summer camp this year, we were going to paint a mural and I don't paint. So I don't really know what I was thinking, but um, <laughs> last week I had the kids, the middle, middle school and early high school, I would say I had them prep the room and they had to scrub the walls and like fill in the holes with putty and all of that stuff that I've never actually done. I just stood there and told them, Hey, do this now. And just let them do whatever they were so engaged and they were all so into it and working so wholeheartedly. I had them measure the walls so we would know how much paint to buy. I I just thought of how much we underestimate them and how, how much more useful they want to be. Like they, they, they are not one of the things I think that you know, like you said, makes kids fall away is that they don't know that they have a big role to play and we don't give them a role to play. We want to baby them and they're not interested at that age in being babied. They want to be important. They want to be important members of the body. Uh, and I think we, we need to do a better job with that. That's a really good point too, because I feel like one of the things that if I'm being honest, the more that I think about it, Shireen, it's, it's shedding a lot of light on how I grew up. I come from a tiny church there really wasn't a lot of options of resources. And so from a young age, I was teaching Sunday school. I don't think that it would have been an option if it was like, you know, a large congregation and they, you know, had it their way, but I was roped into the service very early on. And I think that is why I felt so much ownership in the church. And I think it ties into this idea that we want our kids to be active participants in church, not, not passive, you know, 
consumers of whatever come, go, goes on at church. They are a very real part of it. Just like we say, you know, God is very real. We are very real and we are very real to the body of Christ. So I really love that idea of instilling that in our kids. Yeah. And Laura, you were saying, um, making them feel important. Perception is really, really key there too. I think some churches that I visited, they put almost a ranking system. Like if you're a Sunday school servant, then that's like number one. I also think that parishes should be very cautious about that. Some teens, um, some kids, they're just, that's not going to be their passion. It's not going to be their talent. So if they're connected to the body of Christ in some other way, the perception should be that they're still a valuable member um, of the church, that the church is still their home so that they are still important. And like you said, the perception that they're important is really important there. Which I really love, Laura, that you were talking about even fixing up the walls. You know, that is even those undercover behind the scenes type jobs are vital. They're vital to the church. And I remember our Sunday school teachers asking us to come in on Saturdays so that we can organize and vacuum and clean and like, you know, go, we'd have a gardening day and we'd do the landscaping outside. They didn't hire people for that. That was our job. We went and did that kind of stuff. Right. So that also leads to the very last one. So this all culminates to the very last prong, which is um, what I call the whole self. A lot of times we grow up and we compartmentalize our Christian faith into Sunday. Uh, and we want to make sure that our youth are growing up understanding that their Christian faith is not a compartment for Sunday, but it's supposed to be their whole self. It's supposed to be their, you know, Monday through Friday school self. It's supposed to be their friendship self. It's supposed to be their eventual occupation self. Every part of their being is part is their faith. Their faith is first. All of these things that we talked about today should be helping them form their entire identity in their Christian faith and their relationship with Christ in their own personal relationship with Christ, that it's not formed in their parents not formed in an individual Sunday school servant, but that it's their own individual faith. And that's not going to come just from Sunday school. It's not going to come from parents dumping their kids into a Sunday school classroom or are um, leaning too much on one specific servant. And it's also not going to come from the church sort of abandoning their parents and saying, parents, it's your responsibility. It's really going to come from a partnership between the two and a well-rounded youth ministry effort um, with that partnership, starting from an early age and carrying them through adulthood through those five different prongs we talked about today. So Shireen, I actually really want to highlight something you did because, you know, again, as I said in the beginning, Sunday school was like the thing. And as you said, a lot of people rank Sunday school way up there as one of the things to serve in and is the thing that kids do in church. But ironically, you wrote a Sunday school curriculum for teenagers, knowing that that literally was the lowest thing on the totem. Well, not the lowest, but it's like it's like one very small factor, even though we build it up. And your goal there was to take that out of the equation of how much effort and time we put into our church. Can you tell a little bit more about that? Yeah. So my goal with Bridges to Orthodoxy, well, first of all, I saw that there was a need. There are a lot of elementary resources, but I didn't see a whole lot of um, 
middle school and teen resources. So I did see there was a need. So I was trying to fill a need that, that was empty. Um, but my goal there was really to show showcase that curriculum is really just a resource. It's not really supposed to be the laser focus of a youth ministry effort. And my hope was by taking that burden off of churches that they could start focusing in on these other four prongs because you know the spiritual education piece is just one out of five. And because the focus is so much on, and I saw a lot of parishes just putting so much pressure on, let's find the perfect curriculum. Um, I'm like, well, what if we take that burden away and say, okay, well, let's just say that the curriculum was taken care of for you. Would you then start shifting your focus to these other things? Um, curriculum is, is just a resource. It's really more about the people who are serving the youth and getting the right people who are spiritually talented in that. Um, and that's, that was really, um, my heart and my thought process behind Bridges to Orthodoxy. Yeah, so to review the five prongs, we've got the relationship with God, we've got the sense of awe, the spiritual education, the body of Christ, making the kids a member of the body of Christ, and then understanding that their Christian faith is not just for Sunday. I really like number five. It reminds me of something Abuna likes to say, which is that God is not an app on your phone. <laughs> iOS. He's the operating system. So everything else goes in God, not the other. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know, we have a lot to learn still. Our church is, I, it's been around forever, but it's young in, here in, in America. It's young here. And there's still a long ways for us to go. And there's always going to be that kind of, I don't want to call it a clash, but it's going to feel like our culture and then our church is at odds with each other. And I think our goal is to take away that idea. But like you are Orthodox Christian, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on around you, you know, and that I think is like the biggest thing that we want our kids to, to pull away from being at church. It's just this idea, like we said, the whole self, you know, mm -hmm. you are this person every day of the week, not just the days you go to church. And I think that's the key also to the evangelism piece. You know, being not an immigrant church means that we should be less focused in, on our interior, um, like on each other, and more outward focused, have an outward ministry, outward facing ministry. And part of that is having those kids who understand that God is everywhere and that their Christian faith is something they carry. It's a light they carry everywhere into whatever jobs they have, into whatever services they do outside, community service, that kind of thing. Uh, it's what makes them the salt of the earth the, um, and the light of the world. So I think some of the, the main nuggets here, you know, are we want our kids to be involved, find where they fit in. Don't make, don't make the church fit them. Let them fit where they need to be in the church, whatever that looks like. Um, and that it's a partnership between the, the church and the parents, you know, not all the education is going to happen at home. Not all the education is going to happen at church. It is working together. One other thing I, you know, would be helpful to mention is that, you know, because uh, youth ministry is so much more than just Sunday school. Parishes should really just take the pressure off. You know, you don't have to cram everything into Sunday school. You don't have to put Coptic hymns and, you know, Synexarium and saints and all these things into, you know, that 30 minute, 45 minute, one hour piece that you're doing right after the liturgy. There are other avenues you can spread youth ministry into so much more. Those things are important but they don't necessarily have to be in the Sunday school box. You can create other programs, other avenues of ways to fit those into the youth ministry umbrella. Sometimes we're trying to stretch our kids so thin into the Sunday school piece. And I just think it's, it's um, ending up 
being too much for our kids and then they learn nothing. Uh, so that's, that's the one thing I would add to. That's so helpful. I, I love that, Shireen. Thank you. Um, and do you have any other final thoughts for us with our you know listeners about things that they can do with their kids or what they should be looking for, anything like that? Um, not really that anything different than what we've covered, but just to know that we're kind of all in this together. And I don't want anyone to ever feel this. Sometimes we have this temptation to, you know, compete against each other or have these negative thoughts against each other. We really need to be partnering with each other, whatever we can do to get rid of this, you know, those looking back at each other, whenever these little noises happen, we should be glad that those kid noises are happening in church. Um, and to really shift the perspective, those kids' noises in church, that's the, our future generation. It means that our faith is not dying. I love that. And so, uh, you know, to our listeners, we just want to remind you that the church and parents, we all have the same goal. And so we are trying to work together. Like we said, we're not these opposing forces and we want our youth to stay in the church and have a relationship with Christ forever. So let's work out ways to evolve this partnership and to make our, our kids these lifelong devoted Christians. Yeah, make sure you keep the five prongs in mind. And remember that Sunday school is just one prong, whether you're a parent or a servant, make sure to remember that there are other elements that we need to be watching out for and that we need to be nurturing, um, that we need to be encouraging our kids in. And with that being said, thank you, Shireen, so much for joining us. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today on this week's episode of Raising Up Cops. And you can find us at RaisingUpCops.com or email us at RaisingUpCops at gmail.com. And we look forward to being with you again next time. Raising Up Cops is a podcast hosted by Laura Michael and Madonna Lewindy. None of the views expressed during this recording are the official stance of the Coptic Church or its hierarchy. These are purely our personal opinions, collected experiences, and organic discussions on selected topics. If you would like to reach out with any questions or comments, please email raisingupcopts at gmail.com or post on the Coptic Dad and Mom Parenting Community on Facebook.